고민을 거듭 하는 것이 And welcome to the Punks in Pubs podcast. During the festival period, I thought it'd be fun to revisit some old Christmas episodes, one for nostalgia's sake, but also because I've been too busy to record any Christmas episodes this year. So let's dip back to 2018. In this delightful episode, we revisit episode 29 of Punks and Bubs when I had the pleasure of sitting down with Flogging Molly's Dave King. Because it wouldn't be Christmas without presents and booze, I've got both in this episode. Alongside the booze, Dave shares stories about one of his music heroes, Ronnie Drew of the Dubliners. You'll also hear Dave talk about his journey from Ireland to LA, where he unexpectedly found himself as an illegal immigrant. In this story, he talks about how he had to be stuck in America for eight years and unable to see his mum. Dave opens up and shares a heartbreaking story on this matter, so it's kind of poignant for the whole family thing at Christmas, and there's also a bit of political banter. We'll be back with one more episode in between Christmas and New Year to keep the nostalgia and good vibes going. But until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy this blast from the past with me and Dave King. His eyes, they closed, and his last breath spoke. He had seen all to be seen. A life once full, now an empty vase. Wilt the blossoms on his early grave Walk away, me boy, walk away, me boy And by morning we'll be free Wipe that golden tear from your mother dear And raise what's left of the flag for me Then the rosary beads count them one, two, three Fell apart as they hit the floor In a garb of black we must pay Respect to the colour we're born to mourn Walk away, me boys, walk away, me boys By morning we'll be free Break the golden tear from your mother dear There's what's left of the flag for me We are in a hotel bar, let's say hotel bar, why not? And in front of me is a, a man who is kindly doing this interview, even though he might be suffering. <laughs> Dave King, how you doing, bro? How are you doing, brother? I'm yeah. all right. Thanks for doing this, because I do feel a bit bad. Like, no, don't be ridiculous. As I said, beginning of the tour, and I woke up this morning really, like, and that was not me, by the Someone's way. Someone's dead. Somebody's <laughs> dead, not me. I'm nearly dead, but not quite. But um, no, just um, sore throat, so I thought I'd miss sound check and... You know, but I'm glad you're here now and we're, we're chatting. Well, so am I. And because um, the reason I, I, I kind of pushed this one, because I really wanted this to be our Christmas special for the podcast. So with that in mind, how is it? How is Christmas at your house? Like, what do you do? Is it like a big thing or do you do it kind of chilled out? Nothing really of worth. It all depends where we are. Me and Bridget, 
if we're not in America with, with the family, yeah. we are, you know, in Ireland. Top man, um, thanks so much. We, have a, we live in an old farmhouse in Ireland and we just literally just like for, for example this Christmas it's just me and her yeah. in, in our house and that's it well with Christmas in mind I have bought you some gifts ooh um, I know you're you're famously a Guinness drinker I haven't bought you Guinness but I have bought you beers from my local beer shop <laughs> that they have recommended Big Up St Albans Beer Shop really and they are um, essentially <clears throat> different alternatives to Guinness so they're all stouts Oh, um, wow. So feel free to open them now. And I didn't know what Bridget liked, so I bought her a bottle of wine. Because oh. I'm not sure she's a, a wine drink, a stout drinker, so that's for, that's for Bridget. So this is all Christmassy. Thank you so that's much. That's all right, man. Oh, my God. So I'll it's tell never you, happened before. Well, we'd like to try different things. So I'll tell you what the beers are, because I've got them written down here. <laughs> so the one that you're opening now, uh, I believe this is a... Can, put, can I put this in? Yeah, yeah, go down, man. So this is a... I think it's called Mystic Voyage... Yeah. So this is supposedly a peanut butter milk stout. Well, I tell you what, I don't know what you taped it with, but Jesus <laughs> Christ, it's, it's army, army surplus fucking service. That's that's uh, that's my mum's uh, teaching of wrapping. So, so yes, yeah, so that's like um, Mystic Village. It's eight point five, so go steady on that one. It got chocolate flavors with sweet fruity nuts and a <laughs> balance of hint of salty peanut. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means, but it's uh. Wow. So this one, it may be small, but it's got a punch. This is 10%. Uh, and it's a... Oh, it looks um, dangerous. It's um, a Mexican... It's a Mexican stout with a hint of... What's it got here? Mole Imperial. Yeah. It's, it's got supposedly like um, some... It's got like a chili flavor to it, so... Wow. Our last show was in Mexico City, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, finally, this one, he said, is probably the closest to Guinness out of all of them. This is... Um, Rosewater fruit and a dry finish uh, with a Turkish delight. Wow, 6.2. So yeah, I didn't want to just get you some Guinness because I thought that's been done. So I thought <laughs> I'd get you some um, some random beers from my beer shop. Wow, thank you so much. My for pleasure, this. and a happy Christmas. And a happy Christmas to you too. So we're actually you... bringing out our own whiskey. Really? Yeah. What, what are you in, calling it's, it? It's in. A, it's. In, I, I can't really say anything about. I, okay. I, I think it's. Right now, it's called King's Whiskey. It takes three years to uh, to get together, so it, yeah. you know it's been in the works now for nearly two. So, is that working with another brewery? Or it's working with a distillery, distillery, yeah, yeah. Like, like like a full on. Yeah, I mean, it, it's looking looking pretty good. It's 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 the real deal, you know. It's not like just bringing out whiskey for the sake of bringing out whiskey. I mean, yeah. our name's not even on it, and it's you know it's just something that we're passionate about and. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. You and, know. and you're going to distill it in Ireland, or America? yeah, it's been dis- no, it's been distilled in Ireland. Oh, great, man! So do you know? Do you have like a date, roughly? Like it's going no, to be a couple of years' no, time, or a couple of years? Yeah, M- maybe a year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great, man! Uh, I look forward to uh, finding that <laughs> online this or is wherever. Awesome. It is. Thank you but yeah, so much. It's my pleasure, man. That, that's a bottle of wine I actually quite enjoy. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I hope, I hope Bridget enjoys it. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. So we'll get away from Christmas now. <laughs> and um, it's like Christmas Day, really, isn't it? It's just like you kind of talk about Christmas and then you kind of fuck it off after you've opened your gifts and that's it. Yeah. Who's ready? Um, so I want to talk a little bit about like the sound um, that you grew up with. You've told stories about coming home, your, your mum and dad going to the pub and the piano. Is there any music that you remember from that when, when people used to come home? Is there any songs that like used to trigger your memory that still trigger your memory? Yeah, like- I mean, there's, there's, I mean, my father was a big like you know um, 
Dubliners, uh, Johnny Cash fans. That was always at the forefront. But then when my mother and father would get people over to the house, I always remember this one man called Tucker. And he would always sing the chapel on the hill uh, about two young lovers getting married. And um, he looked like a turkey when he was singing it. His neck would wobble <laughs> like a turkey. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> hey, keeping the thing going, keeping the thing going. But uh, yeah, it was really, it was really one of those things where I just I would look at him and, you know. But everybody had their own song, including myself. I don't know what I used to sing at the time, but but uh, they, they were amazing occasions, you know. I mean, I, I mean, literally, my mother and father. Now, my father died when I was ten, and this is. They were going. They'd go out to the pub on a Saturday night, and I'd be looking after the pigs' feet and the and the, and the um, the ribs, boiling mm. on a simmer, you know, uh, until they came back. Watch a match of the day, you know, and they'd come home and everybody would have ribs and you know pigs' feet. Yeah. And um, my mother would get the piano, and we'd only got one room in the house really. I mean, and it was tiny. It was it wasn't even. I mean, and everybody sat on the floor, and it was just that atmosphere, it was that vibe of it. Like it was it was obviously my first shows ever I went to see, you know. But then again, you see, my mother was a, uh, an amazing character in the sense. I mean, it's so bizarre sitting here looking at Bowie. Yeah, for people, obviously this is audio. We've got Bowie to one side and the Who to the, the who, other. Yeah. I mean, I remember like when, when I was a kid, my mother, I was out playing football. And my father had passed away and, and uh, she called me in. And uh, Bowie was on Top of the Pops doing Starman. Yeah. And she said, look at this. Look at this. And it was so she had a, a very eclectic um, kind of musical taste. You know what I mean? So do you think she enjoyed the music, or did she enjoy Bowie as a, like a like a vision? I think both. I think she she you know she she was a music lover. Hmm. You know, and and like she she was cleaning houses when my dad died. She she would she would work in an office building cleaning the office and then in the daytime she would she would clean uh, this lady's house called Mrs. Murray and um, she borrowed the money from Mrs. Murray for me to get a flight to go and do an audition yeah. for Fast Eddie in Motorhead she always encouraged it you know what I mean and it's sad in a way because when I went to London when I came to London my days of of, of being with my mother and were gone yeah really you know and do you think she knew that? Yeah, I think I think she did. She, you know, she she was. Um, it's come full circle, though. You know, I mean, it's like like the, new, the last album, we, the album we brought out, "Life Is Good." The reason why it's called "Life Is Good" is it's about my mother in the sense that she had a really really hard life, hmm. and and uh, but on her deathbed, she said to me and Bridget, "She do us a favor," you know, and she's in hospital on her deathbed, and she knows she's dying, and she's like, "I don't want to die." But she was she was dying. She said, but do me a favor, just enjoy yourselves, because I did. You know, life yeah. is good. Yeah. You know, and 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 so it's come full circle. You know, um, an amazing character, mm. amazing character. When you're talking about that, it kind of reminds me. My my mum was also a cleaner, and um, mm. I come from a, a background of of poverty and living in a council estate. Yeah. And um, my mum's my I always ask my mum like. Are you happy? Like always, constantly asking her, like, are you happy? Now I live, I live in London, and my mum now still lives in the same town where I grew up, and in the same house. And uh, she's always like, yeah, I'm fine. Mm. And I think, even though our mums have, have worked hard and they've seen that, like their happiness is is the fact that they've seen their sons mm-hmm. do well. And it's kind of that selfishly, I can't see how 
her life has been happy, but she does. And I, I don't yeah. know how, how you feel about that. Yeah. She was an amazing woman in the sense that she used to hang out with some incredible people that she never even thought about, like for a second. You know, like people like Brendan Bean and Patrick Cavanagh and writers from Ireland that she would. Like my house now is full of momentums that pa- uh, Brendan Bean gave to her oh, wow. when they were younger. Yeah. Even the pint glass that they drank out of on the canal one night, you know. Um, but she just, yeah, I mean, she was. You know, and my, you know, my dad was. It was our second marriage, and you know, her first husband died when he was very young, and she met my dad, and then my dad died ten years after that. You know, so I mean, she she had a really tough life, but like as you said about your own mom, there there was a spirit about them that, you know, enjoyed what the offspring gave. Probably, you know what I mean? Yeah. What their children brought to them, and it's 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 amazing. music in the uk and america like punk was kicking off in 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 the mid 70s and um in ireland it would seem that in the north um there was stiff little finger and the undertones what about in 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 ireland were you seeing people in leather jackets yeah yeah no yeah yeah yeah, you know there was a great punk band called the blades i don't know if you heard them they were they were really really good i thought they were going to be huge um they were big in ireland at the time but um, yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's so great because like Stiff Little Fingers are actually playing with us on our, in our. We have a cruise now, yeah, and they're playing on the cruise this yeah. year um, or next year. Jake just did a load of tours with us, Jake Burns with the Dropkicks, uh, and Jake opened up the shows for like three tours, and uh, just listen to those songs. Yeah, and it's like, go, I hate to do this, but going back to my mother. She got me a, 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 a CD player. Uh, not a CD player, a cassette player. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <CDs laughs> that's, that's way modern. But the first song I ever played on it was A Turn to Vulcan. Oh, really? Yeah. I always remember walking to school by the river and listening to that song going Jesus Christ this is incredible yeah you know you know to me punk was you know because of my father as well like the Dubliners listening to the Dubliners to me was insanely punk you know as a kid it was like they were singing about and also their, their, their sense of humor as well was incredible you know and I think that's something that inherently I would like to think is, is kind of an Irish thing, whether it's James Joyce or whatever. There's always a sense of humour about the sadness and the madness. I think I've inherited that from 
from people like that, you know, like uh, the intense Dubliners to me were ugh, the dogs bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they really. I mean, and it was such a pleasure. Myself and Bridget got to record his last ever recording session with Ronnie Drew, oh, okay. the singer from the Dubliners. I'm a tanner for the marrow. I'm a comfortable The fairies in the family which can blame the Cisco kid. I'd be langers in the morning. Me langers need a patch. Ah, oh, Jesus, there's Con Martin. I hope yous win the match. The uncle had a wolfhound that never had to be. But a hairy eleven snatched him down on Eden Key. Now I have me primo and me scapulars of blue for helping the black babies and Dolly Fossett too. He actually had chemotherapy that morning. Uh, and and he's like, and he talked like this, you know. It was a very deep Dublin guy. And he's like, this he says, uh, if if I fucked up at all today, just give me a call and I'll come back tomorrow and I'll finish it <laughs> off. I was like, Gee, are you mad? I mean, this is insane. I mean, thank you so much. Yeah, you know. But I was all over the spectrum. I was. I mean, to me, Freddie Mercury was a huge punk. You know, in the sense that I lived in a British Army barracks called Beggars Bush. It was the last British Army barracks left in Ireland and my father was the first civilian to move into it and it was really grey and it's, it even had the gun ports on the on the walls outside where the guns would be yeah yeah you know and and people like Bowie and, and Mercury and and, and uh, Mark Bolin and, and Phil Linnett people like that brought so much colour into that you know we were we were living the punk rock lifestyle without actually <laughs> yeah without knowing it you know without, yeah you know but yeah, but I mean, like, but but yeah, there was there was there was a few bands in, in, in Dublin that time. I mean, everybody had to come here, you know, to London. Everybody had to. I mean, even I had to come to London, you know. I'd never been on a plane before when I came to London. But there was a good music. I, I remember I, I seen you two in, in a dandelion market, which was just like little, like weekend market that would would pop up, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I, I seen them there. I'm not saying they're punk rock, but I mean they they definitely brought something to the spectrum. Uh, in Dublin at the time, and mm. and and, and, as, and as a Dubliner, as an Irishman, you know, not the proudness. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah. I mean, for for a small country that Ireland is, like the, the amount of talent and and artistic um, people is it's, it's given to the world. It's, mm. it's phenom- phenomenal, and it's something yeah. that I think every country should be proud of. If, mm. if you've got like artists that you can give to the world, it's it's, yeah. amaz- it's an amazing feel. Yeah, it's it's funny like going to like as I said to you there earlier on like our last gig was in Mexico City and going to places like that and Chile and and and, and uh, Colombia and Brazil and Japan and you know and how why what I I don't get it you know it's just I well I do get it I think it's I think it's a celebration definitely it's you definitely. know it's just a celebration of life and and. and uh, Taking with the knocks and the ups and the ups and downs of life, and and I think that transforms every, you know, society. I think that's one of the beauties of your band, Flogging Molly, is the fact of it's it's music for death, it's music for life, it's music for birthdays. Yeah. We- like I generally believe that it's weddings, birthdays, funerals. You can always play Flogging Molly, we've, and we've, you'll always find a way. Yeah, we, I, I think one of the most incredible, moving um, experiences I've ever witnessed was a family came to one of our shows in America and they showed me a picture of their uh, their son's tombstone and I had our lyrics on his tombstone oh okay and uh, just stopped me in my tracks it was like he was in the army and, and, uh, and he was killed in battle yeah 
uh, and uh, and he wanted our lyrics. If anything ever happened to him on his tombstone, and and, if, and that's happened a few times. So it's it it is one of those things that it is a celebration of life. But when it comes to that, that that takes you back. Mm. That's Jesus Christ. That's I never taught in a gazillion years. I mean, I, I I was probably the worst student at grammar in school, you know. And and my lyrics are on some of these resting place. Yeah, it's pretty. Insane. Yeah, I mean that, that must be so much to take in. Kind of fast forwarding from um, going to London, and then your next flight was to LA. Mm. How did that come about? How did you end up in LA then? And then you you decided that you were going to stick out music while doing side jobs. Mm. How was that transition? How was it from going in in the band that you were with, with um, Fast Eddie, and then going to LA, and then then trying to go out alone, mm. and then it not really working out mm. exactly how you probably planned it out to be? Yeah, it was it was um, well it was, it was because of Fastway. Uh, I left Fastway, and I was in a little band in in Ireland um, called QED, and it was completely different from Fastway. It was. We were about songs. Yeah. Or we, we tried to be about songs. We got publishing with Virgin. Things were starting to go well, but then it kind of leveled out into nothing. And, and so I got a phone call from um, a guy called John Kalodner in, in um, LA. He was with Geffen Records. And he wanted to build a band around me. I flew over, met a lot of people, uh, got a band together. Um, and went on tour in Japan, <laughs> and uh, it didn't work out. But there was no way I could go back to Ireland. And even though, as you said, I was I was driving trucks, I was painting houses, I was cleaning venues that I would uh, play in. Yeah. You know, I mean, I went from tour being on tour with ACDC and Iron Maiden to cleaning toilets. It, it was fantastic. <laughs> it really was. It really was fantastic. I needed to do that, you know. I needed to really find out who I was because yeah. all these years I didn't know who I was. I was, I liked all types of music, and that was my my it, it, that was my problem. Really, was I I had no limits on what I liked. I went from Beethoven to to Bowie to the Sex Pistols and Clash, you know, everything. Um, and I needed to find myself, so I started playing it on my own an acoustic. Uh, in a pub and uh, and the first song I wrote was a song called Selfish Man because <laughs> I knew I had to become a selfish man to if I wanted to really do what I wanted to do and then as they say the rest is history so that pub I'm guessing is Molly Malone yes, yeah. yes. so um, it's, it's, a, it's a bar now that's famous obviously for honing your skills I suppose as an artist and as yeah. a band in that in that place. So how did how did you meet everyone else? Obviously, I've heard a story where about you met your wife and she came in and she watched you and she told you, "Nah, you're all right." Yeah. <laughs> like, how did uh, the rest of the guys get involved? Well, that's that's how it all. I mean, that's that's the way it was so organic like that. Mm. You know, I remember me and Bridget were rehearsing with Nathan in Santa Monica, and I was on my way back home and I stopped into Molly Malone's have a pint. And this guy walked up to me and he goes, he says, are you looking for an accordion player? I says, you know what, we, we are. He says, well, I have a friend of mine here. He's really here right now and he'd, he'd love to talk to you. And I went over to him and it was Matt, you know. And I sat down and I talked with Matt and he'd been only playing the accordion for six months. And I said to him at the end of the night, he says, do you want to join the band? 
He goes, what are you talking about? He says, you've never even heard me play. I said, I don't need to. You know, it's just... It's just the way we are. It's just we're not we're not going to ever going to be the greatest musicians in the world. That's not the point. But I, I think you, you'd be a huge part of the energy of about what we're trying to create. It just happened like that. You yeah. Know? Just, when you were playing those shows uh, for forty dollars and two drinks, hmm. um, was there a moment where she just looked around and went, "This is it. Like this is this is we, we're going to go with this. And we're going to roll with it, and we're just going to we're going to fucking do well." Like, can hmm. you remember that moment? And when was yeah. it? Was it at Molly's or was it when no, you were touring? Or? No, it, it was it was when we were rehearsing, actually, okay. in the rehearsal room. I, I don't know what song we were playing. I, it, it, it wasn't a, a crunching, bone-crunching song. It, it was, I think it was a very mellow song. Could have been World Alive, I'm not quite sure. But um, I remember standing there and looking around and going, fucking hell, there's, there's something in this room that I've never experienced before. To light and blue, there's nothing more a man could do. Don't get your bollocks so twist. Settle down, don't take a fit. You drank with demons straight from hell. They almost nearly won as well. You wiped the floor with victory. The puked until you fell asleep. idea of mixing Celtic music with punk like was that something you always had in your back of your mind is it like I want to give that a go or was it just something like you said like organically just happened yeah. I think what happened I think the main thing that happened with me was that um, I I was in America legally yeah I had a, an O1 visa and but what happened was the law changed and I didn't know about it so one day I was legal and literally the next day I was illegal yeah and I couldn't leave my mother took a stroke, um, and I didn't see her for eight years. I couldn't leave. If I'd have left, I would have never gotten back into the country again. And the band were starting to kick off. And I think that was a big part of it. A big part of it was, if I can't go back home, I'll bring where I'm about now to the rest of the world. You know, And a lot of that was from being back home. But I couldn't go back, so it, it became that type of angst and and uh, you know. And once once I heard like you know, once I heard fiddle, once I heard you know, I had these I had several songs that you know were just all about me and what I was doing, blah blah blah. And then when I heard fiddles on it and stuff like that, it started to take shape, hmm. you know. And people like you know the Pogues and and the Dubliners, as I said mentioned earlier on. They gave me a sense of euphoric. I was very euphoric when I'd listen to these bands in America. Mm. You know, 
and and um, and I wanted to take that to the next generation. I wanted to take the people that had, hadn't heard the Pogues or hadn't heard the Dubliners or hadn't heard, you know, the Chieftains or whoever, you know. I think being in a band, you shouldn't be afraid of your influences. You know, you shouldn't be afraid to, you know, go, um, you know what, I love that and I'm going to take to somewhere else, you know. When, when you were you were playing and um, you realised, okay, we've got our sound and then you left LA to start playing shows, were any part of you a bit worried about playing in shows like Philadelphia, New York, Boston, whereabouts they had a really big Irish community and mm. you're going there with your own take on the, the, the mm. Celtic music? Was any mm. of that, like, did you ever feel any nerves going, oh, I, like, these guys, I hope they fucking accept it? Or no. is it like, fuck you, we're doing what we're doing? No, no, ne- never. The only place I've ever felt that is, is Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> it's going back there, you know? Um, like I was on the phone two days ago with MCD, the promoters over there, just losing my mind. You know, like, um, I. It's kind of like, and I, th- I think I've actually said it from stage in Dublin, where, why do I worry so much about playing here? You already get it. You know, it, it, it's like, you know, but but no, I don't. I really, really don't. I mean, I love. I mean, I remember the first time when we started really tour in earnest was the Warp tour punk rock tour which unfortunately just had its last year this year but we used to go on the warp tour and i remember i'd watch bands on the warp tour going what the fuck are we going to do <laughs> and literally this is no word of a lie we would walk on stage and the crowd would look at us and they'd see fiddles and accordions and mandolins and banjos and they'd be like what what's going on here and then after two songs they'd all start looking at each other and then they just went berserk, you know? Yeah. And I knew we could do it. I knew we could, but, uh, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, as you know yourself, I mean, you know, punk to me is anything. Yeah. You know, it's not haircut, it's not hairstyle or jacket or, it, it's, you know, it's passion, you know? And, and, and that's what we had in, in abundance, Yeah. you know? You know, as Beethoven said, a mistake is one thing, but the lack of passion is unforgivable. You know, so <laughs> who knew Beethoven would get a s- s- shout out <laughs> on a punk podcast, eh? came out on side one dummy and then fast forward a little bit drunken lullabies and i for me i want to talk a little bit about drunken lullabies because it's one of my favorite albums personally so selfishly we're going to talk about it and it's also a memory that i always have about seeing you guys at roxy i'm originally from nottingham so 2004 oh yeah and uh, playing roxy yeah and i can remember hearing drunken lullabies for the first time live and i've never seen roxy fucking bounce and dance in the way that I've ever seen any other gig at Roxy and 
I've always wondered, and whenever I hear it now, it makes a smile on my face. And when I hear it tonight, I'm going to be beaming. So, like, for you, for someone who's played it so much and so many times, do you still get a feel of, like, this is just a fucking good song and people yeah. just love it? Yeah, I, I think and what, what's great about the song to me is that when I wrote it, um, Ireland was still in pretty much the doldrums mm. in the sense of, you know, between Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland and, and England, um, there was still that certain energy of, you know, when are we ever going to do fucking anything about this, you know? And it's actually kind of come to fruition, you know? And I, I really hope it stays that way. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that, like, Ireland, Northern Ireland and, and Republic of Ireland, England, have this relationship now together that I've always wanted as a kid, yeah. you know? Whether it's because I was born in the British Army barracks, I don't know, you know? But I definitely wanted you know something positive from it and like not a lot of people know but I mean like when me and Bridget were, were getting the, the, the band together I mean like three of the guys in the band were from London you know and they fucking love playing this shit you know? Yeah. you know they had another band at the time as well so <laughs> off they went but but no I mean it's like that was, that was the whole point of the music you know to, to, like, and Drunken Lullabies definitely it's a sense of accomplishment you know not just for me personally but f for the country that i love and, and and the people that i love and and it, it means a lot to me you know i don't want to get too political but are you, are you you spoke about how you hope the unity continues but now with brexit is happening mm, mm. something that never got i'm not sure if you knew but during the the brexit debates ireland would never have spoken about in mm. the sense of for the like the border or anything like that i don't think they really realized that at the time to no answer. no no one spoke about it but now this is like the border is the main thing that's going on the debate about Brexit mm. because we we as a as a two countries we fought so hard to, to bring peace. Mm. Are you fearful now that the fact that Brex, uh, Britain are kind of pulling away from Europe and kind of becoming a lot more yeah. inwards? Can you see trouble starting again, or do you think that's just, that's completely in the um, past now? I really hope. I mean, it, to me, I mean, it it, it, it was really sad. I mean, the world itself, I mean, as you said, let's not get too political, but I mean, when you look at Brexit and Trump, um, Hungary, Brazil, we were just in Brazil there a few weeks ago, yeah. and, and the whole atmosphere in the country before the election was terrifying. You if know? you look across Europe, it, yeah. it's, it's scary times. It is scary times, and, and you know, and, and what's ironic about it is Ireland is probably one of the most liberal countries in the world right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, for a country that I grew up in, like, that li literally up till 1994 was illegal to be gay. Mm. And now we're the first country to vote in rights for, for all gay, lesbian community, you know, a, a abortion rights. Of, I mean, it's like, it's changed so much. And, and I, I can't, I mean, I think obviously for the better, but everybody else seems to be closing in. They're closing the doors. They're like, yeah. you know, and... Yeah, it's scary because, I don't know, you, you know, you, you drive around the city and you see so many different nationalities. It's like Ireland as well now. We see so many different kind of people. And it, to me, it warms my heart. And I just hope it, it doesn't close people's minds, Yeah, you know, yeah. about how small... Because from traveling all over the world, the only thing that's big about this world is jet lag. <laughs> you know, because it's not really that big. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 and yeah, I just, I hope, 
you know, not, and not just Brexit in Northern Ireland, the border and all that, just the whole attitude of, of the country. So I hope, because I felt in the last few years such a, a connection with England and being, you know, proud to have gone through those changes, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, personally, obviously, I, I hope that doesn't change. Let's talk a little Frank Turner. because the what? Frank Turner. Let's talk Frank yeah. Turner. Yeah, yeah. So you took Frank Turner on his first major UK tour. Yeah. Frank now is just a fucking... He's killing it. Yeah. Um, what did you see in Frank? Like, what was it for you that you saw in Frank and gone, I'm going to take you to America and see how you do? Well, me, me and Bridge were... I'll never forget it. We were sitting on the tour bus one night and uh, we were playing music. And uh, she played Frank Turner. And I went, oh, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And, and she's like, this guy called Frank Turner. I says, oh, we fucking got to get him out on tour. He's fucking amazing. And it was the Maggie Thatcher song at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a fucking legend, man. He's, he's a great songwriter. You know, they're great people, great band, you know, great, you know, just, as I said, because we're so comfortable in our shoes, we, we, we want to bring out whoever we can. Yeah. If we can help anybody in any way, oh my God, absolutely, especially people like Frank Turner. You know, and then Frank brought us back to play the O2 Arena here when he was killing it, you know, yeah. and, and still is. Um, so it's like, we just, and he's doing the cruise again this next year. He's a fucking genius songwriter. Well, I, I kind of want to touch on the comparisons between both of you because you're both quite open and willing to put your heart in your sleeve and really open yourself up to your audience. I mean, for you, um, you spoke about um, being exiled in America and the fact that your mum was ill and and you you made a song, uh, sorry, you you wrote a song, The Sun Never Shines um, on a Closed Doors. Like, can't sing that anymore, by the way. No? No, I don't think I can. But that's what I was going to ask you. Like, how do you, like, you've written something so personal Mm. and it must take an effect on you when you sing something like yeah. that where it's so close to yeah. you I mean like Frank did his um, Queen for a Day about his best mm-hmm. friend dying from cancer I mean yeah. why why put yourself through that as I said I didn't see my mother for eight years and when I did I, uh, I went down to her flat I got home and I was I was I mean to me that was still my house living in and it was, it was a council flat in, in, in George Reynolds Flats in, in, in Dublin in Irish town and I knocked on the door and she didn't know who I was she said, hello? I said, hey, it's me. And she goes, who, who are you? I'm like, I'm your son, Dave. And then she just stopped and went, oh. Yeah. Was that heartbreak? That must oh, my heartbreak God. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. You, you always wonder whether you make the right decisions in life. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if we do or, or, or whatever, but. You know, she was one of the reasons why I left because she encouraged me to do that. Mm. You know, but at the same time, you know, I didn't go home for eight years. You know, that was that mistake. Was was I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if if I did go back. Put it that way. Yeah. You know, so there and, is. And you know, that's not what your mum would have wanted. No, no. I mean, there is sacrifice in life. Yeah. You know, you and sometimes you have to make these decisions that. You know they don't seem to warrant it at the time but I think looking back in it you know I think she would have been really you know she always told me I sang like a girl as well <laughs> <laughs> nothing like your mum to so put you fuck in your place, you 
reflection stood right in front of me. Color of her eyes were the color of insanity. Crushed beneath her wave like a ship, I could not reach the shore. We're all just Her insecurity Might have been a drunk And her father was obscurity Nothing ever came from a life That was a simple one Pull yourself together girl Have a little fun When she took me by the hand I could see she was a furry one Her legs ran all the way Up to heaven and past Avalon Tell me something girl What it is you have in store She said Come with me now So you kind of mentioned the cruise a couple of times. How the fuck did you start a cruise like uh, gig? Like, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's such a fantastic idea. For me, the idea of being on a boat for a few days is, is I'm, I'm not the greatest on water, so it's a bit terrifying. I but if I was know. ever going to do it, I would probably do it just for just for that yeah, show. No, you're, so. you're, I mean, I'm, not, I'm the same. I mean, I'm not, I, you know, but, but you don't even know you're on a boat. Plus, when you're drinking, you don't even know you're on a boat, you know? You're already wobbly. So yeah, you're already yeah. wobbly, so it's like... But no, it's been absolutely amazing. And already it's almost half... We put the sh- tickets on sale last week. Yeah, I saw, yeah. It's almost half sold out right now already. Really? Um, but it's we've got a few more bands that we have to get together to do it. But Frank Frank is on board. Uh, stiff fingers are on board, you know? Uh, we we got to, you know, it, it's getting there. But it's just one of those things that it kind of just makes you forget about bullshit. Yeah. You know, you're on a boat, free bar, free food, um, and you just listen to great bands. Yeah. You know, whether it be from the punk rock karaoke to whatever, you know, people getting up and singing. And, and it's a great, I dress up as a captain and I walk around the ship. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's a. It's, uh, it's something I never thought we'd ever do, but we've been talking about it for a while, you know. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, we, we, we kind of are a band of the seas, you know. Yeah. So why not fucking take it onto the seas and, 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 and have a celebration? And it really has been. It's been an absolute blast. Oh, amazing. I mean, if you ever need a podcast, we're here. So uh, yeah. uh, wherever you there want you it. go. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad idea, man. Hey, I'm, I'm available, mate. Just, just let me know and I'll, uh, that- I'll be on the boat. That could be an, uh, seriously a great idea. Yeah. Fine. Done. Let's, <laughs> Let's have we, a chat. Afterwards. We need to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. man. I'll be more than happy to do that. That sounds a great idea. So getting back to the band, the last album that you put out, Life Is Good, you had a six-year like break between the last year oh, album. Oh, wasn't a break. Well, I mean, you were touring, <laughs> but I mean, before you put out another like uh, another album. Hmm. Looking forward, are we going to be waiting another six no. years? No, 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 no. It's already in the works, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm it's hard. You, you can't, when you're in a band like Flog and Mall, you can't write on the road. It's impossible. The yeah. lifestyle just does not lend itself to. Oh, look! I've got this idea for a song. It doesn't lend itself that way. Um, but, like, my phone is absolutely packed with ideas. So when I go home and have a decent amount of time off, 
I sit down at my table and, and I go, oh, all right. So do you, do you like bullet point ideas? Yeah, 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 yeah. all the time. And then I go home and I'll, I'll work on that. Uh, on the road, it's, it's, it's tough, yeah. you know. I mean, we've been on the road for... I mean, if you'd have told us that we would be doing this after all these years, it's just ridiculous, you know. So we have our way of handling the madness, kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and coping with it and, and doing the best that we can. Um, but, yeah, because we all come from such different backgrounds and, you know, everybody's got families, you know. Uh, it's you got to do things where, and I think you get the best out when you do it like that. It's not we don't do it for the sense of just doing it, mm. you know. Oh, listen, we need to get a new song out here. Dude. No, it's it's not. It's it's we need to really work in it and, and be it the best that we can. I mean, you know, we're very very. You know, a lot of people would look at Flogamoli and would would say, oh yeah, you know, you know, seven drunken fuckers up on stage, you know, just you know. It's not. It's not that. There's a lot more to it than that, you know. And we know that, and we—that's what we believe in, you know. Um, we move ourselves. It, it just sounds right, but we move ourselves before we try to move anybody else, you know. If we're not in a room crying or laughing, well, then nobody else is. I think we're going to end it there. I'm going to let you save your voice. But Dave, thank you so much, man, <laughs> oh, for your time. It's this is an absolute pleasure. Oh, well, I'm glad. And I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I just, you know. <clears throat> Yeah, I woke up yesterday morning with a sore throat, and I have a bit one now. But, but, uh, and I just brushed off sound check, and I complete. I'm, I'm so sorry. No, no, but I'm, you know, but I tell you what, I'm so, so, I'm so glad that we did this because this has been an absolute pleasure. Oh it's, no, it's been my pleasure. Trust you me. Know? You're on my list of. I have a bucket list of people I want to interview, and you're on there. Oh. so I can now take that off, Dave. But uh, <laughs> seriously, I, I've loved flogging money. Since I was a kid, it reminds me, like I said, it reminds me of good times, bad times, and, and just, uh, you're, just a, you're just a celebration of music, and so thanks, man. Yeah, I, I really mean, enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, it, it, it makes it, you know, it, it does make it worthwhile when you talk to people like yourself and stuff like that, who obviously do love what we do, and it's, you know, sometimes you kind of, you know, it's nice just to be around people like yourself to, you know, and, and you know, as you, I said, like about the, the, the crews, like I mean, it would be amazing to have you to have a uh, 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 go broadcast from there. Happy to. Happy we, to. We should really, really talk about that. Yeah, man. Happy to. I think it's a great idea. Booked in. <laughs> right, <laughs> Dave. I'm gonna let you go, man. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so and, much. Uh, An absolute yeah. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm.